You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by Sheffield Wednesday's iFollow live match streaming service. Sign up now at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. Yes, there's no soccer to talk about, but we're still not talking about curling here on Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I am drinking. I James has already scolded me before we started recording. I did not do a particularly good job of stocking up on beer for our self-imposed quarantine. So I have... This is one of three jam up the mashes from collective arts a dry hopped sour that i have left in my house it's actually quite good very well balanced and i am uh, spending it on this podcast also on the line as should be patently obvious in queens new york it's james allen james what are you drinking um well, just to make the obvious theme work even further, Jeff, uh, I'm drinking Made in Queens. How, how simple is that? It's uh, an Imperial IPA from uh, from Rockaway. Ten um, percent ABV. You know, these long quiet nights mean that uh, we can ramp up the uh, the ABV and uh, and have a little bit more fun. Um, yeah, I'm trying to keep all my local businesses in business by just basically buying up all of their cans to go. So uh, the fridge is full. Much more. Uh, prepared than you are jeff um but you know there's about three months of drinking ahead of me so probably a good thing i have a lot of whiskey i'll manage a scant two rivers away in new jersey it's patty jones patty what are you drinking good evening gentlemen uh i'm also keeping my local bars and breweries in business um and i'm drinking a jersey girl um it's a king gambrinus belgian uh, 10% ABV too. Uh, again, uh, very similar uh, saying to uh, James. I'm keeping my Jersey beers um, close to my heart, stocked up in the fridge, uh, ready to uh, drink away through the apocalypse. Our first of two Ohio owls on the show. In Ohio, it's Evan Skilter. Evan, what are you drinking? I'm going to have you guess based on the description. I'll play a little game here. Um, it Yingling. is nature's choicest pro. Uh, wait, it says, "Wow, this is tough to read." Is it a twelve percent? Nature. Here we go. I've I've just tapped into it. Uh, nature's choicest products provide its prized flavor. Only the finest of hops and grains are used. Selected as America's best in 1893. Established in Milwaukee, 1844. It's Pabst. Pabst, Blue Ribbon. Ribbon. I'll still be there after the nuclear winter. You'll be all right. (laughs) (laughs) I will have no Pabst slander on this show. It's a perfectly fine, cheap beer. Yeah, I decided uh, 30 racks of cheap Beer will probably be the way to go for the next six months. <laughs> oh, yeah, six months, are you? Did we go through this previously with your wedding stash? How long did that last? Yeah, so that was uh, that was Yingling and, and Miller Lite. Um, and the Yingling is gone. I did get through all of that. Surpri- <laughs> well, 
you, as you can imagine, the, you know, after the season we've had, uh, Saturday at about noon, those start to flow. So started to flow. They're gone now. I love the way you position that as the season we had, uh, Evan. So uh, I'm correct in thinking, Jeff, that this is the end of season review, correct? <laughs> uh, it sure sounds like it. We will cover uh, current events in British soccer and around the world. We have an interview with another Ohio owl to tell his tale of the national meetup, which at this point feels like it was like six years ago, even though it was less than a month. And then we will cover the Wednesday news. And there is Wednesday news, I guess. It's going to be a weird show. None of us have really put together an agenda because what is there to talk about? The EFL season has been suspended at least through April 30th. Now, how likely you think it is to pick back up then is how well you think our uh, respective governments will handle managing the COVID-19 pandemic going forward. But there's no soccer, which is really weird. So, James, I guess I'll start with you. What are we to sort of make of the current Wednesday situation, sort of in the in the broader context? Ooh. Gosh, the Wednesday situation in the broader context. That you, do we have an hour? Um, I mean, the, I think the the fundamentals here are no, you know, it's the same as Wednesday's FFP situation. No one really knows where this is going. Um, we are going to be in a really, you know, completely uncharted situation for a long time to come. I don't know if it's three months. I don't know if it's six months. There's experts out there that don't seem to know either. Um, but there's no soccer going to be played for the next foreseeable number of months let's put it that way so you know obviously the euro 2020 tournament has already been moved out to 2021 sensible by uefa that creates a window of opportunity potentially to play catch up into june july maybe um i think the general stated intent from the european leagues is they want to finish the season um but you know the pace of current events suggests that that might proved to be more of an aspiration than a reality um and you know from a wednesday point of view do we want to finish the season um you know i'll just put it out there and say that you know maybe this would be a really good year to have ruled out as null void and by the way can we slip a uh, ffp based points deduction into the uh, mix before that decision is made as well um you know let's be honest we're not really playing for anything i suspect fans of you know leeds united west bromwich albion might have a slightly different perspective on it than uh, than i do um but Quite transparently, while the rest of the world is scary as shit, uh, my calmest moment is 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning um, when Wednesday aren't playing and I know we're not going to get thrashed 5-0 by Brentford. So, you know, I'm uh, I'm kind of sanguine about it at the moment. It would be absolutely amazing banter for Wednesday to just cut a deal to get the 21-point deduction all out of the way this season and just have them freeze promotion and relegation. And the uh, Crosstown rivals not currently in Europe. So Leeds day in the championship, Wednesday's day in the championship. Life goes on. It would be amazing banter. And I am a fan of banter, Patty. You are indeed. Uh, actually, I think this is a good time to uh, ask a, a viewer question or a listener question that we got on Twitter. Because um, it's quite relevant to what you're speaking about. Is this about. one so, of the, th- the multiple uh, questions about curling? Because I really hope it isn't one of the multiple no, questions <laughs> about curling. <laughs> no, that would not be relevant whatsoever. 
Um, so Sean's Ramblings on Twitter says that any chance that there are no point deductions for SWFC and other championship teams based entirely on COVID-19 and the governing association think that teams and fans have, ha- have suffered enough. <laughs> so do you think that EFL have got heart and therefore they're thinking everyone's suffered enough? Let's let these guys off with a point deduction. Everything will be okay. Any you know that, that, that question... That question is funny in essence, but I think when it all boils down, we have no idea. I think everything's on the table at this point, right? Like, this is so unprecedented that no one has any idea what to do and what's going to happen. And and honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if, if, you know, the season's null and void. They say, look, um, you know, we we can't impose sanctions on next year. We should have done it this year. We couldn't do it this year. And if you're not going to let Leeds and West Brom go up because they're one and two in the table and you're literally canceling this season, I really feel like you should cancel most of the punishments and everything else that goes into this year. Uh, and I know it, obviously that's a selfish thing uh, to say and it comes with bias, but you know, I just don't know how, I don't know how you do one thing and not do the other. Um, you don't relegate, you don't promote, you know, now what are you going to do with our points ban? Just wait, hold on. It's just, there's so much unknown. I mean, right now in Ohio, well, all over the place, but Ohio specifically for me, we've postponed the, the state basketball tournament, right? And so there were teams that were one or two wins away from being in the final four and playing in a big arena in Columbus. There are teams that were four wins away from being a state champion. There are teams that were undefeated, number one in the poll, who probably won't get a chance to play for an official state championship. And there's just like, there's so much that we're going to cancel. I just don't know. Again, I I don't know how you carry things into the next season without completely wiping everything clean. Or, I'm sorry, carry, carry things into the next season without just, instead I'm, of just wiping it clean. I, I don't know. I'm so glad you went for the uh, the kind of the analog event of what's going on in American sport right now, because, you know, if you just play out the scenarios, pretty much, the, if the EFL was in America, they would have to cancel the season, right? Because they would be laid open to being sued pretty much whatever course they went. You know, a team that was just on the cusp of making the top six says, you've denied me an opportunity. The team that, you know, would have gone up is going to, is going to obviously litigate you know against the lost revenue etc the uk maybe doesn't have quite the same sense to it but what are the major leagues in america thinking of doing i mean i guess for kind of basketball the season's you know some way gone but but recoverable maybe but hockey for example i mean there's a very little chance that the nhl gets back to playing you know in time to complete the stanley cup for example i know uh the nba has talked about just pushing out as far as they need to and starting next season later starting to get closer to closer to Christmas instead of in late October, early November, because they're fairly close to the end of the year at this point. So they really just have to deal with the playoffs. And I suppose they could adjust the, the playoff schedule if need be as well. You know, hockey is in the, in the same boat, almost the end of the season. But again, you run into, uh, you know, can you still have access to the arena in the summer? What's those contracts look like? Uh, in a lot of cases too, and trying to schedule both at the same time. A lot of these NHL and NBA teams share share space, so trying to make that all work from a scheduling standpoint could get a little complicated as well. Yeah, I know. I, that, I know the NBA in particular has already been talking 
about pushing the season back, starting it later, not competing with the NFL quite as much. Um, and so this might, you know, play in their favor. But yeah, I mean, the whispers, the whispers I've been hearing, and please don't assume that I have sources inside the NHL and inside the NBA, but uh, it just seems like like we're just headed for a completely null and void season. That's it. We're just going to cut it off and start fresh. If this doesn't get under control by you know, the time the season should end and the time you should give players a break for, for the off season and, and start up fresh. My, my opinion is that it's a completely wrong thing to do. So I don't see any reason a good reason at least to finish the seasons, right? Yes. They might delay the next season and they might have a shorter break. They've got, they've got a break right now. They can't go out of the house fair enough, but they've got a break. Um, but Things can't be left as they are. There's too much at stake. There's too much money involved. Too much, like, I don't know, I don't know how long this is going to go on for. Um, but if it's like three months, four months, then they'll just have to play in three months, four months time and delay the next season. Because you can't just let the people that have played 30-odd, 40 games uh, in the EFL and Championship and the Premier League say that's all worthless and we cancel everything and we start again next year. Yeah, it's t- t- be totally fair, but... So, but but here here are a couple of the the fundamental blockers to that. So, China, I think their first case of COVID was probably as early as November, right? But they put like you know severe measures in place at the beginning of January, and they are just beginning to get to the point where they seem to have kind of run the course of at least kind of you know repeat internal infections, if you believe the data. So that's taken three months of complete country lockdown, no movement in and out of cities, people on lockdown within their apartments, incredibly kind of onerous governmental restrictions. So let's assume that that's the bare minimum that we have to go through. So that takes you from now into end of May, early June. There's still two two months of the season to complete. Players' contracts are finishing end of June. And by the way, you know, it's not like China is out having hosting sporting events. Everyone's still under curfew, still under lockdown. You know, they're just beginning to look at how they can start to operate some basic functions again. This could easily be July, August before any of us are in a position to kind of go about life as quote unquote normal. Um, And even then that might be on a restricted basis because there's no vaccine for 18 months. Right. So I guess where I'm going, Paddy, is like, you know, when you've got players that at that point out of contract who haven't trained properly for four months, can you reasonably just restart a season and try and crunch through two months worth of matches in time to uh, to kind of get the job done? There's a point at which it becomes futile. This is going to come up with... uh with baseball pretty soon, I think, since they were in the middle of their sort of spring training, uh, you know, ramp up into the season when this all came down, you know, at some point this summer, they're probably going to try to play again, I would imagine. I think they probably would have tried to go through with, you know, empty stadium games like we saw uh, some in, in, in soccer, sort of the last week of, of Champions League and a couple last weeks of Serie A, but you know, you still have these players that were in the process of prepping for the season that now are going to be sitting around for X number of months and, you know, somewhat limited. All these complexes have basically been closed in, in Florida and Arizona. They're just open for individual workouts to a very varying degrees, but you can't just jump right back into it. Um, you know, the best case scenario is something like we've seen in, in South Korea and Japan, who are in a similar sort of timeline for starting their season. It looks like they're probably going to get pushed back by a month or two. 
but again, as James mentioned, it was a much more sort of, you know, organized response to the, to the virus than we've seen here. So then you have the contributing interest as well of, you know, the, especially in baseball, but it's certainly true in hockey and the NBA as well, is that, and, and certainly true in European soccer, uh, the TV deals are so valuable and such a large part of the revenue stream for these franchises that, you know, not being able to have that product is going to put a, a big dent in sort of the, the economic model. And, and to bring, the, bring this back to Wednesday, um, you know, every game they don't play, you know, every home fixture they lose with 25,000 people on the stands, you know, that's revenue out of the pocket of a team that's, you know, obviously ha- uh, had some financial issues in recent times. Um, and they're probably in better shape than, you know, maybe some of the, some of the lower league sides or some of the teams running larger, larger losses or thinner margins. But, you know, if this does go on for a protracted period of time, we could see like teams actually, uh, uh, I don't know if, you know, English soccer teams will be any different than other quote unquote sort of small businesses on both sides of the Atlantic. It's interesting, especially in the UK, obviously. Um, Boris has obviously held out as much as he can as far as saying you must close your bars, restaurants and stuff to avoid that scenario of where the government has to kind of bail people out. I think it's definitely something that's going to happen in the next few days. Uh, I think he just kind of postponed it as much as he can. But like I say, does will that apply to football clubs too that, that lose revenue because of this as well? Uh, will they be given something to tie them over? Are the EFL? I'm not sure what the EFL can do in this situation. It's uh, it is a very kind of worrying time for the smaller clubs that rely on these kind of gate receipts and the cash coming in, the merchandise stuff too. So, yeah, I mean it's unprecedented in terms of the the restrictions that are being placed on on pretty much any non-essential business right now. Um, and look, <clears throat> we're not an economics podcast, nor do we try to be, but. You know, you have never seen stimulus bills like are being passed in Washington right now, or are going to have to be required in the UK in very short order. I mean, the the impact of whether it's government spending, central bank infusions, etc., that's going to be required to restart this economy is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. Now, the upside for soccer clubs and for sporting institutions overall is that they were mandated to close, and therefore you would imagine that they would receive some benefit from any stimulus package. Um, So I hope that is channeled to those that are most in need, i.e. that have the thinnest cash flows, smaller clubs, um, not to the Premier League, Behemoths, who I'm sure can, uh, can go a few games without gate receipts. But yeah, Jeff, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is just uh, on so many levels something that nobody has ever understood. The, the four guys in our uh, in our closets of a uh, of a Thursday night to try and say that with certainty this is how the league will play out and this is what it means for Wednesday. You can't really get there. Um, it's uh, it, it's just impossible. Um, but yeah, speaking parochially, I really hope they cancel the season. The podcast will march on though. We'll take a break have an interview with another Ohio owl, and then be back for some Wednesday news. Our Ohio owl, Evan Skelter, couldn't make it. Fortunately, we have several Ohio owls in reserve. We have one on the show now, Patrick Barnett, also from Ohio. How did you become a Wednesdayite? Uh, well, when I was, I grew up in Louisville, 
Kentucky. And um, when I was growing up, soccer was Pele and kind of sort of the, the uh, New York Cosmos, but there really was not any connection um, to soccer. My first experience with trying to play soccer, I got cut from my grade school team. Um, it was only the kids that had played for the YMCA that made the team. So um, just kind of watched it from afar, but still it was a, you know, third, fourth sport choice at best um, behind, you know, American football, baseball, basketball. Um, I started playing a little bit when I was toward the end of high school, uh, kind of pick up games. And then I played intramurals through college. And when I got to college, you know, it was much more cosmopolitan. So started following the Premier League a little bit. And, you know, of course, the big teams then were Man United and Arsenal, which didn't really appeal to me a whole lot. Um, then once my kids started playing soccer, uh, this is about the same time where uh, Bill Simmons, who used to write for ESPN, had an article on ESPN.com about how he picked, he wanted to pick a soccer, an English soccer club to, to follow. And it kind of went through this whole process. And what's kind of ironic is that was the last time when Sheffield United were uh, in the Premier League part of now. So I kind of followed his logic and he ended up with kind of an easy pick in Spurs. And I, I like I said, his pick was kind of easy and it didn't really appeal to me. So I wanted to dig deeper and try to find something else. So I mean, to be fair, to be fair, being a fan of Spurs, it should appeal to no one. <laughs> <laughs> true. True. I, yeah. Uh, so anyway, I still wanted to, you know, pick a club. And about this time also, I was listening to Gomez, the band, and they have a song called Whippin' Piccadilly. And one of the lines of the song is rolling into Sheffield tonight. So, of course, like a lot of other you know, people, apparently I was playing FIFA, scrolling through the teams, and I come across Sheffield Wednesday, Sheffield United. Okay, that's cool. Uh, you know, Sheffield. Oh, Gomez. Yeah. Well, I went to Kentucky. Kentucky are blue and white. Louisville, their arch enemy, is red and black. So that was the clincher. And then so I started following Wednesday a little bit. And this was the se- I think it was the season when we were promoted from League One. So I kind of followed along on Twitter a little bit, uh, watch the highlights on YouTube, which were nothing like they are now. Um, and as I started learning more about them, I remembered, you know, John Harks played. Oh, yeah. You know, he played when I was in college. He was playing for, for Wednesday um, and then remembered also about, you know, the, the Sheffield disaster and just dug deeper and deeper into the history of the team. It was like, oh, yeah, this is this is definitely a team that I need to follow. Um, so it's it's been uh, I guess 
six, seven, however many years of, of endurance, and, and I'm loving it. <laughs> well, you can't endurance, be accused sure. of being a, a bandwagon fan, certainly, at this point. No, 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 no. It was, yeah. It's funny. We had a someone on from Chicago a couple of years ago, and it was like he came about a certain way through FIFA, and I think, I'm trying to remember the exact... Like they had their meetups for their like video game thing on like Wednesday night, so that's why he picked Sheffield Wednesday instead of yeah. Sheffield United. Yeah. It is kind of like it's kind of like fine margins, but I always appreciate that once people commit to it, they're just like, yeah, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan now. That's just yeah. this is what I am. Yeah, I mean, I was after that. I mean, really, you know, you know the fact that you know, I mean, Wednesday is a cool name for a club. It is. That's just super cool. Um, you know, and the, the blue and white and then the, the owl logo was awesome. And as I, like I said, I mean, I learned more and more about their history and, you know, remembered some of the things from their history that yeah, I we were good in the nineties brushed aside. <laughs> yeah, they were good in the nineties. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm all in on this club. This is, this is it. Um, and you know, when Wednesday, when, you know, it puts a little perk in my step and when they get their asses handed to them like they did this past weekend it makes for kind of a crappy day yeah i as i said before on the show they are incredibly great at just like ruining your weekend by noon on saturday <laughs> well right 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 uh, you know uh, uh, fortunately like, i mean you know fortunately when the new orleans when we lost the derby yeah it didn't, one, it didn't really matter and, uh, yeah i mean the second half, it was, you know, everybody was either, you know, pretty much multiple beers in and, and everybody was kind of starting to smell the waft of the crawfish from across the street. <laughs> so we're moving on to better, bigger and better things. So you were at the New Orleans meetup and I'm reliably I, I, informed that you, well, are not one of the owls. America's faithful that got a tattoo. You were inspirational in the tattoo getting. Uh, very possibly, yes. Um, so I was talking with with uh, Tommy and his wife, uh, the uh, Palmetto Owl, and we were talking about tattoos. I have a tattoo on my leg of uh, the Kentucky Derby logo, and he was, and I was talking about how. For my next tattoo, I think, you know, the Concilio at Animus would be a really cool tattoo. So he promptly pulls up his, you know, his his calf and shows me and he's got the the old crest on, on the back of his calf. And he just, you know, points out, yeah, it could go right here. It could go right here. I'm like, yeah, that would be really cool. Um, also an I excellent Tommy was... impression, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> So and, uh, and and he was also telling me that he and and I, I hope he's maintaining this. He has given up cigarettes and he's on like a pretty long streak of of no no smoking. So, um, you know, he kind of wanted to treat himself to that also. And so, yeah, yeah, absolutely, you should do that. Um, that was maybe halftime of the game. Um, when, when that conversation happened and then, uh, we went over to the, the, the party across the, the, the street and, 
someone made the announcement. All right, anybody who's coming to get a tattoo, the the car is going to pick us up in five minutes. It's like, oh, crap. <laughs> Escalated quickly. <laughs> so uh, as a relative outsider to all of this, what were your sort of impressions of the first national meetup? It was fantastic. Uh, really, I mean, I, I pulled, I drove um, from from my house and outside of Dayton to New Orleans. It would take me about 12 hours to get down there. Um, so I spent the night in a hotel, got up early, uh, got over to uh, Finn McCool's where it was, and I pulled in right as uh, the Uber that was dropping off Patty and I think Owen and a few other people got there. Whoever um, so else that he was, has in tow. <laughs> that was, that was still hung over from the previous night. Assuming yeah, they yes, slept. Yes, they, yes, they were. Yes. Yes. There were, there were numerous people that, uh, you know, that, that said they were, they had gone out the night before, um, and, uh, down, I guess, French quarter and Mimi's, and and whooped it up there and and i was on you know four five hours sleep which is <laughs> perfect you know, it, yeah so absolutely it was, appropriate so it was absolutely great to yeah so got there right at the same time really which was it was just awesome uh and we got in you know went in uh it felt like I ordered my first drink and turned around and there were, you know, 30, 40 Wednesdayites that had just taken over, um, Finn McCool's on a Saturday morning, which was just so cool. Uh, got to meet, uh, uh, Jamie and, you know, he was fantastic host really uh putting it all together got to meet some of his fellow uh new orleans owls and uh, you know what everybody's you know starting to get excited for the build-up of the game playing some reverend the makers and arctic monkeys and uh, pulp which was what i'd listened to for pretty much the 12 hours down just to get myself excited uh, and then Right before the game, they put on uh, Hi Ho Sheffield Wednesday, and that was just fantastic. Just to be a part of that and and think to myself, you know, I am not alone in my insanity of following this team. Are <laughs> with you? So, just on, so, do you remember when the first goal went in and did it matter? That uh yes i remember when the first goal went in i had taught i had turned to talk to tommy for you know we were having coaching because he coached and and i used to coach um so we were just talking a little bit about the team and about coaching and whatever else and just turn out of corner of my eyes we see the goal go in and it was like crap it was just deflating um but he may have been the one actually that started. We're gonna win two to one, um, and I know he definitely was the one that started. That we're gonna win four to three, chant. Oh, 
I, th- I think I knew when the national meetup was playing, the game was either going to go zero five or five zero, one one way or the other. I didn't think it was going to be a one one draw. Uh, no, just, no. <laughs> it uh, seemed like it was going to be awesome or a disaster. It's you know, it, I don't think anybody. Well, I'm not going to say anything. I did not give up hope when we were down one nil. Um, I thought there was still a chance, which was dashed very quickly. Was after. it the sixth minute or the seventh minute? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first, I think the first was the seventh and then, yeah. the, uh, yeah, quick escalation. So by the time the third goal went in at 30 minutes, it was, you know, on to tattoo like, talk and that kind of stuff. Tattoos. So, yeah. <laughs> when, when's the crawfish ready? Yeah. <laughs> So I suppose we do actually have to move on to grimmer topics like the rest of Sheffield Wednesday season. Um, it does sound like they're actually going to be playing behind closed doors for the rest of the year. They came out in the Guardian recently, and also I guess the entire Nottingham Forest team might have coronavirus because their chairman does. But you they know, allegedly tested negative. <laughs> allegedly, short of uh, them blissfully canceling the rest of the season before the FFP decision is made. What are you looking forward to for the rest of the year? Staying up. I mean... It's weird because it's not really like a relegation scrap yet, but it's kind of also like... could happen at any moment. It's... The, the, the recent form, I mean, especially... You know... Lose, you know... The three to one at home, the derby was bad. This past week was just catastrophic, and that's not the first time they've lost five nil this year. Um, <laughs> it's just 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 hemorrhaging points, and it's it's very worrying. Even without a even without the EFL coming in and docking more points it's you know it's yeah very uh, worrying (laughs) (laughs) so i asked you what you were looking forward to the rest of the season (laughs) what am i looking for okay i'm looking forward to uh, survival yes uh, on on top of survival i want to see um I want to see Alex Hunt more. I want to see uh, Iorfa more. I want to see... Um, I'd love to see uh, Adebayo back. Um, Luongo. I, you know, I want to see some of these players that I think still could be a part of this team going forward that have been out with injuries or whatnot. I want to see them in action and see if there's something to hold on to. And I think, you know, I think there's some really some potential in still in one of the, some of the signings we made, uh, you know, Windass looked, has looked pretty good. Um, La Cruz, even though he didn't play particularly well <laughs> this past weekend, I think there might be something there. Uh, you know, I want to see Stephen Fletcher score a few more goals just because he deserves it. 
I want to see how thick his hair can get before the end of the year. It's getting quite thick. <laughs> anyway. Beautiful. Beautiful. Whatever processes they have over there, they're very impressive. Yeah. All right, yeah. we'll let you we'll let you go with this, Patrick. Yeah. By next year, how many Wednesday tattoos will you have for the next national meetup? Uh I'll say one. All right, one. That's a good number. Hey. Nice. Yeah. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. We have a pair of interviews to discuss. The first being the chairman, Delphon Chansiri, sat down with Domhausen to for a Q&A. And Patty, can you summarize the content of part one? So yeah, first of all, I just want to make sure that this is definitely far past the series thing Dom's putting out. And the first uh, part of this series... I think it went live yesterday. Um, and it's a bit of a nothing burger. Uh, lots, I mean, he asked some good questions. Uh, kind of, will there be any money to spend? Kind of, what's going on with the slump of the team? Should we have a director of football? That kind of stuff. And he just basically said it's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> it was really disappointing. Uh, I'm not sure. All of his answers are very well written. So I'm not sure if he had a translator that they kind of translated the answers for him or what. Um, but they don't really reveal a lot. He did say that Monk's got his backing, which you would expect him to say. Um, when he was asked about the uh, Monk's comments about uh, there being something wrong with the dressing room, he said that Monk had his opinions and his, his, his uh, right to express them. But he didn't really comment on what that meant. Um, so... Yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. Now, there is a few more set, uh, segments to come from this, so hopefully there's a bit more goss to come out of it. But I would say uh, check it out, but I wouldn't really get your hopes up for anything juicy. So, uh, Paddy, you uh, you work in marketing. You uh, you know a good uh, you know, PR slash internal communications written set of approved external talking points when you see them. Um did this article read to you like a uh, you know a personal interview with Dafon Chansiri or a set of pre-prepared talking points produced <laughs> and delivered by the Sheffield Wednesday marketing department? Uh, yes, I mean pretty much the latter. Uh, but also, I don't. Yes and no, because if they did, if they were allowed to uh, ask those questions, then he wouldn't. There's no point answering a question because he doesn't answer any questions. So the first part of this entire series is just questions that he doesn't answer. So if it was prepared by a marketing team, I suppose, then they would probably tell him not to ask the question in the first place because it just looks a bit stupid, really. So I, maybe there was some, well, I guarantee there was some uh, marketing Sheffield Wednesday communications director involved in this interview full stop. Um, but that might be why it's so heavily kind of nothing because nothing was revealed in this first episode. Didn't he do like a 17 part interview on the website like last year about the same stuff or something like that? The same voice. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, possibly with the same uh, ghostwriter involved in the background, but the, um, the one bit, I mean, so you're right, Paddy. I mean, there's nothing of any value whatsoever in it because it's all kind of, you know, the lawyers will talk to that and wait and see what the AFL say and da, da, da. The only bit I thought was interesting was the question about what Monk has said about the culture 
at Wednesday, kind of the deep-rooted issues, right? And it's the one place where the answer kind of, it slips a little bit and it gives away something which is, you know, almost an acknowledgement um, is, is as far as it probably goes. But it says, I think, you know, I believe this question is better answered by Gary. He knows exactly what he means about the players and what he said in his media interviews before and after games. I believe that everyone knows what he means. Now, you know, maybe he's just basically saying, look, that's all on Monk and, and you'll kind of, I'll blame him when the time is right. But there's a possibility there that there's an acceptance that what Monk is getting at is based on more than just uh, his perspective, right? You know, that others in the club recognise it as well. The fact that they've not done anything about it over the last three to four years is chuffing useless, but that was the only thing. Do you not think that Monk's... See, I always kind of assumed that Monk's comments are not necessarily all about the playing staff, and it is a kind of critique on the top brass too. So it's it was a very interesting question to, to first of all, field from Dom, uh, and quite a nice deflection from DC too. But my assumption from Mung's comments were that it wasn't necessarily all about the playing staff. It came from the top. I think this is one of those situations where, because it's so, I mean, the nature of this sort of back and forth between the soccer media and you know, whether it's a manager or a player or a chairman tend to be so opaque that you can read into it whatever you want because it's so carefully worded. You're just sort of looking for you know, something to hang whatever argument you want to make off those comments. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, if, if we had audio of Dave Fontanciri and Gary Monk talking about what did you mean when you said that, Gary, um, and we had some straight-talking folks around the club, then maybe we might have a little bit more information. You're absolutely right, Jeff. You can't read anything into it. It's that, that's that's literally as as deep as I was able to get from the written word in the uh, Huddersfield exam. Uh, sorry, I mean Yorkshire Live interview. Of course, if you want a slightly more candid uh, view of Sheffield Wednesday, you can check out a YouTube interview with Ross Wallace, where he, in a very, very thick, almost impenetrable Scottish accent, discusses his time at Sheffield Wednesday in a manner that could be probably, I'll defer to my UK colleagues here, described as taking the piss. Yeah, it was uh, a little close to the bone, and he riled a few fans up, didn't he? So if you haven't seen this yet, it's an interview uh, of a Scottish podcast, I assume, um, called Open Goal, I think it might have said. Open, open Goal. And I'm not sure. It, it seemed very pally. It was like two mates chatting type thing. It was a pub. And I think that kind of loosened him up a little bit. Uh, and as we know, Ross Wallace is a well-liked player. He's a bit of a cheeky chap. We all know he can kind of like say maybe controversial things. But when he says things a little bit too controversial, it might be damning of the club and of probably what we knew already in the dressing room like it kind of hurt a lot of people to like hear the truth almost and all he was doing was basically telling people what we kind of know but kind of in a kind of bare-faced jovial manner is that the players essentially what the story was about Carvajal coming into the dressing room uh very annoyed that he was in a bad run with the players and his Wallace's quote was he blamed us in the players which, I mean, at the time, it probably was the players' fault. <laughs> uh, but he seemed incredulous that uh, the manager would blame the players for the, their performances, uh, obviously shouldering no blame on themselves. Uh, and then he said, you've done this to me, kind of thing. This is that you've, you're going to get me sacked. 
then he made this joke about apparently Carvajal turns around to the wall, puts on this top man pair of glasses, the ones with no prescription, just glass in it, turns back around to the players and said, this is the new me. And then Ross and his friend in the bar just crack up laughing. And apparently the players are kind of stifling laughter in the dressing room because at this point it feels like they kind of treated Carlos as a bit of a joke. Um, and, I mean, Carlos is an eccentric guy. We all saw that in his interviews. But it felt felt like maybe the first year he got by on that, and second year he kind of lost their respect by what Ross is saying. Um, and that riled a few people up, right? And um, it's it's just an insight to what we kind of know already. And it's funny to me that so many people got offended by it. It's it's hard to hear it from the guy you likes mouth, I suppose. That's probably what I could uh, kind of look into some of those comments and people take the piss out of him. Right. I'm, I'm laughing right now because today I just finished um, Phil Jackson's book, Eleven Rings. So Phil Jackson's a basketball coach. Um, if if you're not familiar in the NBA, he won six championships with the Bulls, five with the Lakers, and uh, he just talked about his uh, his leadership practices. And I'm imagining six foot eight Phil Jackson <laughs> in a locker room full of NBA basketball players turning around with glasses. This is the new me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, who's going to take you serious? Even a class of kindergartners are going to laugh at you, man. Like, what is, <laughs> hey, what is hey, this? Hey, Evan, uh, spe- speaking as a newly indoctrinated kindergarten teacher uh, <laughs> as, of, uh, as of Monday, and only on a part-time basis because my wife is doing most of the heavy lifting on that. Um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. A bunch of kindergartners would completely have last Carlos out of the dressing room. And yeah, that's kind of the point, Paddy. You're, you're calling it exactly as it is. I mean, all Ross Wallace is doing is telling us what we already know, but Jesus, if that's... If that's the tip of the iceberg, imagine what's been going on for the last two and a half years, right? That's the culture that Monk's talking about. No respect. A group of kindergartners is a pretty good description of the level of that dressing (laughs) room, too. So, I mean, he alluded to the fact there's a players' WhatsApp group, obviously, which you expect. They all have that, yeah, whatever. Uh, It's just a little insight into kind of the kind of mindset of of these players. And... I don't know, maybe people in Man City and Liverpool are a little bit more professional, I'm not sure, but at the end of the day, they are still mid-20, early 20-year-old men uh, that play football for a living. So, I mean, you can't expect too much of them, I suppose, can you? But you expect what you do expect on the pitch is that to kind of like respect and honour the boss's orders. And it doesn't feel like that was there in that conversation with Ross Wallace. It's a double-edged sword. Uh, someone like Wallace, you love him when he's on your team because of that sort of you know, that sort of shit-talking, you know, wind-up merchant stuff he brings for your team. But then when he turns it back on your club, you, you know, it's... I mean, what did you really expect? It's like the scorpion and the frog kind of thing. It's just how he is. I didn't have a huge problem with it. You know, on one level, a lot of those guys played their best football under Carlos, so you'd think that they should have a little bit more sort of you know, respect for that publicly. But, you know, like anything else, we know he was eccentric. When that kind of stuff starts stops working uh, and you lose the locker room, that's just the kind of stuff that happens. There's a, there's a short shelf life for soccer managers in general outside of very few exceptions. And while well, Wednesday have gotten better at turning over the management, they have gotten worse at tent, uh, turning over the playing staff. New broom. What better way to deal with it than uh, than a massive global pandemic that curtails a season in full flight and then means that you've got to start again with a new roster in 
about 2022. <laughs> that because the old has died? <laughs> no, that's when we'll get a vaccine. Okay. God, Patty. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking of a way to get these people off of the block. Of the block. Uh, there is some soccer being played as a, what is it, 128 teams now, Patty? Have entered into a FIFA quarantine tournament. Oh, yeah. How did your incredible that. FIFA skills not get selected as the Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday representative for this? Because apparently Wednesday have pulled in a ringer. <laughs> uh, to much to much disdain uh, from the rest of the clubs in this uh, FIFA tournament organised by I think it was the Leighton Orient Twitter handle was yeah. it? Um, so yeah, Leighton Orient. I don't know if you saw the beginning of the week where uh, clubs were playing Connect Four with each other. And that was the kind of twee side of the uh, coronavirus uh, lock-in. Uh, then it kind of evolved into let's make it more serious and do a FIFA tournament. So Leighton Orient put a tweet out, and uh, 128 clubs signed up to this. Um, FIFA tournament, uh, and they were asked to get a representative for each of their clubs. And Wednesday, rather quickly, um, put together a little uh, media package of their new signing. Which I think this guy's called the Dele FIFA, D E L E E FIFA. Uh, apparently, he's a pro FIFA player, <laughs> and uh, he's been into like several finals. He's never, never won anything. I don't think he's very much, very much Wednesday player <laughs> for FIFA. <laughs> Not one much, but been there or thereabouts over the last few hold years. Hold on, hold on. Are we, are we saying basically that Wednesday entered a FIFA tournament and Dave Fonchansiri also gave away his strategy for the next five years, which is to carry on being Dave Fonchansiri? <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he's not going to pay this guy either. <laughs> is the, is the only problem uh, is like the, the Sheffield Wednesday FIFA player will keep making it to the finals and then lose to the Arsenal FIFA player. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've drawn a Cambridge United in the first gra- in the first round. Oh shit! Got- you know what yeah. happened in like uh, whenever that was, like nineteen ninety one, right? <laughs> no, I remember we lost four nil away in the third round of the FA Cup, so that's it. We're done. Well, I've got. I've actually I've got some stats on the Cambridge United FIFA player. <laughs> um, He's the stat he goes, man. He goes by uh, FIFA Cambridge. Uh, or Cambridge, I guess, is, as he pronounces it. And, yeah, he, he is 119 and 88 overall in his career in FIFA. He uh, has a plus 14 goal differential, uh, which isn't isn't crazy considering the amount of matches he's played. Um, and has but the, the problem I, is... He's not playing with Cambridge United when he plays FIFA. <laughs> correct. He's actually <laughs> playing Columbus Crew. Um, and, and so I think... Uh, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday doesn't have a chance. <laughs> I think that's it. Do we have any other business? Glad, glad I could add. <laughs> glad I could add something to the conversation there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you made that up. Well, yeah, I did. I don't know. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. <laughs> it sounded pretty credible. You should just kept going. It's not real. Uh, this is where we find out if anybody that, uh, listens 40 minutes into the podcast. Because mm. if someone tweets us saying, Evan, that's not true, then we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll actually have a listener. Yeah, FIFA, have, FIFA Cambridge is going to tweet me, actually, and challenge have me any to other a business. FIFA match. <laughs> no. I guess um, Jeff, I yeah, the pod from here on in, though, is just going to be basically us talking about the computer games that we're playing in our, uh, in our locked-in apartment, right? Yeah, well, I'm thinking. Um, by the way, um, I looked at Dele. 
our guy, because I thought everyone's reading actual stats. He has won a whopping five hundred dollars from one tournament, and he's ranked. <laughs> it says thirty third to sixty fourth in the FUT Champions Cup twenty nineteen. There you go. I don't know what any of that means. Well, is, go it like a, is it like an, is it like an yeah. opt to Joe for this that can help us out here? Hey, esports the new fucking thing. If we haven't got any real sports to commentate on, we have to no, commentate on this true, quarantine yeah. tournament for the next week. I bought Super Mario Maker two for my Switch, and I have learned <laughs> that I am no longer good at playing Mario Brothers games. I'm blaming the physics engine. Uh, you've reached that that age. Mm. And you've reached the end of episode... I'm just calling it episode 93 again, Patty, since that annoys you. <laughs> of the Elves AmeriCast, brought to you by Sheffield Wednesdays. I follow live match streaming service. Sign up at swfc.co.uk slash iFollow. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdays, Reverend and the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbeam, and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls AmeriCast, we ask that you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Evan is on Twitter at Ohio Owl. Evan, can you give me an estimate of when you will run out of perhaps Blue Ribbon? Before or after the 2021 Euros? well before um but uh probably won't run out before our uh our guy delhi fifa gets knocked out of this tournament <laughs> i see like even when it, even the usual wednesday night optimism is translating to a video game season james is on twitter at manhattan owl James, do you have any beer buying advice for those of us that may have not stocked up as well as you have? Uh, buy a shit ton. We're in this for the long haul. Paddy is Sorry, on Jeff, that wasn't very um, exciting, was it? Come <laughs> to Queens. We've got coronavirus. <laughs> oh, no, that didn't work either. Um, yeah, buy beer. It's lovely. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, where are the meetups this week? Um, they're in people's heads. Um, it does bring me to a nice point about um, our bars. Um, obviously, Football Factory is a primarily football showing soccer bar, um, and they can't either sell beer or show soccer at the moment. Uh, and Toffee Club in Portland, uh, obviously, all closed. Um, I'm not sure if New Orleans has closed down everything yet, have they? But all these bars that we go into every week are going to be massively uh, out of pocket at the end of this. Uh, so I would say, not just bars, obviously, support your local community. If they're still offering takeout and delivery, um, go ahead and, and, and do your bit. Try and keep them going. So when this comes out of the, of the darkness and we're back into real life again, uh, we're going to need them to be there to... Uh, to meet up in again and to uh, support this crazy football team we've been following for the rest of our lives. So um, I would just say support your people around you, support your community around you, 
and we'll get through it together. And I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro. Patty, play us out. Sitting in bars and cafes Singing songs about players Who have had better days But how rarely we dare To write something that says Anything about bars and cafes Be true to your bar And don't let it down or else it may not always be around Be true to your friends And let your friends know Without your bar you'd have no place to go You can't drink tea all day long You'll have two heart attacks Before you sing any song and how barely you'll care If the rhythm's all wrong Eating Irish breakfast all day long Eight hours is all you can take Drinking tea with your mum Until your hands shake Then repair to your lair For booze and cheap cake Eight more hours till you can't stay away Be true to your bar and don't let it down Or else it may not always be around Be true to your friends and let your friends know Without your bar you'd have no place to go Be true to your bar and don't let it down Or else it may not always be around be true to your friends and let your friends know Without your bar you'd have no place to go Be true to your bar